0: But look, one of the things that I really enjoy to be able to, to know about us coming together is know that we're coming together, as it says, to gather around the Word. That we're not just about the fellowship. That's a good part of it. But that we are gathering ourselves, we are centering ourselves upon God's Word and upon His truth. In the last few weeks, we've talked about that truth. We've talked about how it we can find it within Scripture. We've talked about... How it is authoritative for our lives. And this morning, as we look at Psalm 119, as we continue this study, I want to show you just a few things. And I think there may be simple steps here of how we can get to the truth in our lives. You see, most of us, we can affirm this is the truth. We've talked about that. That is the, uh, this scripture is authoritative for our lives. But how do we get to the truth i'm going to suggest to you three simple steps and they are simple three simple steps of getting to the truth as we come together this morning look in verse 97 the testimony of the psalmist oh how i love your law it is my meditation all the day that was our memory verse just a few weeks ago if you remember oh how i love your law it is my meditation all the day You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Well, now that we've been reading through Psalm 119, this passage doesn't surprise you in its tenure, in its emotion, in the way it regards the scripture. We've already talked about the, the, the really the attraction that the, the scripture had as the psalmist came and talked about how he loved it and how he wanted to enjoy it. We've seen that. And once again, you hear those kinds of words in this passage. But I want you to see that there is an emphasis upon understanding. There's an emphasis upon being wiser. There's an emphasis upon learning itself from Scripture. And notice he begins in verse 97 as he declares his love for the law. He talks about how it is his meditation all the day. Day and night, it seems, as you read Psalm 119, that was his meditation. So let me begin with step one. Before you meditate, we're going to talk about meditation, but before you meditate, you obviously have to know the Scripture. He had to hear the Scripture. So let me suggest to you today, as we come together and we think about getting to the truth, one of the first steps that we've got to call ourselves to is we've just got to read it, okay? Read the scripture. Number one, read the scripture. Now, some of you are looking at me like, Dr. Reggie, you studied all week just to come up with that. Are you sure you weren't watching Fox News in your office this week? Are you sure you just weren't goofing off? You said you had a Facebook account. Are you just doing that this week? Because, I mean, read it. That sounds so simple. But listen to me. I believe that God has given us a simple process to get to the truth. I don't think God has tried to conceal the truth from us. I think he has tried to reveal the truth to us. And it's a very simple process. And before you can meditate, before you can study, before you do any of those things, you've got to be willing at least to pick it up and read it. Before the psalmist could meditate, he had to know the law. Somewhere along the way, he had to process it into his life. Now, as oral culture, as we know, most of the time they would hear the law as it was spoken. But for us, as we think about how we can get to the truth, we've got to be willing to read it. Now, the word Bible in itself comes from the word biblos, which means book. This is the book. Now, remember, many years ago, Baptists were referred to as people of the book. So if you have a book, what should you do with a book? You should read it. One of my professors used to say to us, don't be book collectors, be book readers. Read the books. Don't just buy them to put them on your shelves so that everybody will be impressed in your library, but actually read it. And that is what God is constantly calling us to do is to be reading the scripture. You say again, Brother Reggie, you are, you're talking to the choir here. We all read it. Could we all say that we read it like we should? I mean, is this really something that, that is so... Um, is something that seems to be happening so well that we don't even have to address this in our churches anymore? I, I'd say no. I'd say all of us, including this pastor, needs to be challenged from time to time on just reading the Scripture that we would read it to see God's Word to us, God's revelation to us. And let me say this. When we read it, we should come and approach the Scripture very humbly because in the last few weeks we have said that the Scripture is God's Word that is authoritative to us. So when I come to read it, I come with that type of attitude. I come not trying to impose myself into Scripture, but rather allow Scripture to be imposed Upon me i love the way john ortberg said it he said that we read not to get through the scriptures but rather we read so that the scriptures can get through us sometimes we say oh if i can only make it i mean here we are reading through the bible for this year and if i can only get through that book of leviticus if i can just get through it there will be hope there will be victory but rather instead of just getting through scripture we need scripture to get through us as we read so we want to approach it humbly we want to approach it we want to approach it with all of our hearts to hear god's truth and i do think that this posture of reading is much more attractive than some postures that we assume what do i mean by that well let me ask you which is the more attractive posture To take the Bible and to try to beat somebody else up with it? Or is this a more attractive posture? And you look at me and say, Dr. Reggie, I've never seen you be attractive. Neither one of those postures were attractive as you did that there. But I say to you, and you know that I stand, hopefully you know I stand for the truth by now, what is right and what is wrong. But I also believe instead of just beating people up that what we need to be doing is reading it for ourselves and allowing God to change us. It's a much more attractive posture to have the scripture opened and reading than to have the scripture trying to pound somebody else. We're to read it. Very simple step. That God has given us. And then when we read it, number two, we should should study it. Now, notice again here the words. Verse 98 says, you through your commandments make me wiser. In verse 99, I have more understanding. Um, Verse 100, I understand. All these words continue to communicate to us that God's Word brings understanding and revelation to us as we read it, but I think also as we study it. Study means that we're digging just a little deeper. Instead of just reading, we've got to dig a little deeper. And we should be people that would want to dig deeper into God's Word to see what it says to us. We should study it. The psalmist had not only heard god's word but had given it some thought and had absolutely studied it the berean church of the new testament in the new testament we have paul and the apostles we have them going out on missionary journeys and you'll remember this paul's preaching and he's speaking and there's a church at berea that here they hear what the apostles say But the scripture says that they actually go back and they look through God's word. They look through the Old Testament scriptures to see if Paul is speaking the truth. Now, some of us, some of us preachers might get a little offended by that. By saying, you don't think we're speaking the truth. Why would you go and you check us out? You should just believe us. But Paul didn't do that. Paul actually applauded them. The Apostle Paul who wrote Scripture, the Apostle Paul was fine with them going and checking out and examining what he said so that they could have proper understanding, that they could have wisdom in their lives. And I say to you, if you hear me preach a word, you ought to go and you ought to check it out. You ought to make sure that what I am saying lines up with god's word never take what i say and just count it as scripture but rather evaluate it upon god's word and i would say that you ought to do that with any preacher any preacher even those of us who made television you ought to be able to check them out right you ought to look at god's word you ought to study it for yourself you ought to dig deeper And there ought to be a hunger within us. I mean, when I look at this psalmist and I read Psalm 119 in its entirety, don't you just sense a hunger to know God and his word? I mean, to be able to even say how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's as though that he is hungering for God's word. And I pray that God would continue just to build up a a hunger for us that we would want to study and go deeper and see what God would say to us. Sometimes when I see reports come from overseas about how those in other countries are, are spending hours and days and people who are hungering for God's Word, people who have, not heard, who have not seen it as we have, who have not had it available as we have, people who have just hungered and continue to hunger for God's Word. When I see those, sometimes I personally am embarrassed in my life. And I ask God, why am I not hungering for your Word like those? Even some of those who've gone on before us, you walk in my office you'll find all kinds of books and you'll find some old books now let me tell you you got to watch where you go in my office on some of the shelves because some of the books came from my grandmother i shared this a few weeks ago in another context but my grandmother uh, she would just get any book she saw a preacher on tv she would just get a book from them okay The other day, Jeremy walked into my office and he saw all these Oral Roberts books and he almost had a heart attack, I think. I saw him. He didn't say anything, but I saw what was going on. Like, what is this preacher about to do and lead us into now at this point? It's my grandmother's. But I have a lot of books, a lot of old books. But I have these books that some of you would remember. Some of these are like just study books that were given out by the Sunday school board. And if you went through it, maybe it was the letter to the Ephesians. And if you went through it, Then when you got to the end of it, you got this little certificate from the Sunday school board that you had completed this class. Now, these classes were not offered on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. They weren't offered on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. There was some other time, whether that Sunday or during the week, that people would just commit to come and to study. And it's not flashy. It's not... It's not your most exciting, probably, look on a book cover, but they were just committed to go. And my mom was one of those who was just committed to go and study. I'm actually convicted about that these days because I'll be honest, if we were to offer those kinds of studies today, we, we would be very concerned about the attendance that we would have i know what some of you say dr Edge is a different age there's so many people and so many things and we're so busy today we are but in reality don't we still seem to do the things that are important to us and significant to us oh i don't get to spend as much time as i most of the time we get to do what we really want to do If I want to go to a ball game, I'll make the time to go to a ball game. Hey, that's me in my life, okay? Maybe I'm just testifying I'm alone. Am I alone here? Don't leave me out here by myself. Come with me. If I want to watch a movie, if I want to see other things, yes, I want to do that. And I'll make it happen. What I'm saying to you, if we're hungering for God's Word, if God would put a desire, if we want to taste it, then we will make time to study it. To be a priority of our lives. And what a treasure we've talked about the last few weeks. We've we amen. We've talked about the treasure of God's Word. But if we really believe it, we would hunger for it. We would read it and we would study it. We would seek understanding as the psalmist did. We would seek wisdom as the psalmist did. Now, let me just suggest some practical ways of you studying this, even as we look at this scripture today. One, when you're studying the scripture, r- remember to look at the text itself and the context that it is in. Never divorce a passage from its context. It, it's very easy for us to come through and, and actually choose some verses and make it mean what we want it to mean. In a moment, I'll show you in this passage how we could do that. But it's very easy for us to do it. And it's very easy for us to mean well and to pick a verse and make it mean what we want to mean. Well, isn't it okay as as long as it means something good and great to our lives? I'm not so sure of that. I would challenge you not to just pick a verse and make it mean what you want it to mean. Why? Because that's exactly what cults do. So many cults can somehow rationalize their belief according to Scripture. If you'll notice, they'll quote verses. And what I want to say is that God expects better from us, that we're faithful to the text. Read the text in its context. Encourage, I encourage you to, to, to read verses around it. And as we're going through this study, for example, you do know that we've been on Psalm 119 for some time. You probably say, Brother Reggie, how many sermons can you get out of this? You know that we've been in this, so read Psalm 119 before you come. Put it in the context of the whole psalm. We don't have time to read every verse, do we? No. of so you say, don't encourage me. <laughs> we don't have time to read every verse on Sunday morning. But I say to you, you go and you read it and put these verses, the short verses that we're looking at, in context of that psalm, that chapter. Put it in context of the overall psalm. Put it in context of the Scripture. The Bible never contradicts itself. God never contradicts himself. So if I read something here that seems to be out of place with another Scripture, then I need to go and kind of see what god is saying to us he will never contradict himself so the best commentary on the bible what do they always say the best commentary on the bible is the bible go look and read and study it, the text in its context look at the verse look at Words that keep coming up like in this Psalm 119. Notice that we talked about understanding, learning, wisdom. Look at those kinds of verses or words. Repetition, themes. You know, it's even okay to write in your Bible. You do know that. See, I didn't know that for a long time. I grew up. In a place where certainly we honored the scripture and thought about God's word. And look, I just couldn't write in God's word for the longest time. I thought there was something that was desperately wrong. So I just couldn't do that. But now I realize that God, he actually wants to use this word again to speak to me and to get through me. And if it helps me to write in his word, then I think God's okay with that circle things, underline things. Okay, you'll see how I've advanced in my technological knowledge. You can even use your tablet this morning. Some of you, maybe, no, yeah. You can highlight. You can do, I hope you're looking at your scripture on that tablet this morning. I hope you are. (laughs) At least I've convicted you if you haven't at this point. Look at what kind of book you're in. See, sometimes when we study it, we need to be reminded what book are we in and what kind of literature are we reading. So many times misunderstanding takes place. For example, Proverbs. When I was growing up, I heard my mom, she used to talk about how the preacher would say that if you trained up a child in the way that he should go, he'd not depart from it when he is older he'll not depart from it and 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 there were a lot of folks that would go away from the church with heavy hearts I've seen them I've heard them talk about it I trained my child up I did what I was supposed but God said that was a promise but it doesn't seem like it's true in my life because there wasn't a proper understanding of what a proverb is a proverb is not a promise a proverb is a general truth and that is a general truth that if you train your child up in the way he or she should go in the end they'll not depart from it but it doesn't mean that there it's a foolproof promise We, we know people who have raised children exactly the same way in a godly way one go one way one go the other It's a proverb. I tell people all the time, watch what you're reading in history and narratives like the book of Acts. I see people construct major doctrines from the book of Acts. Now, it doesn't mean the book of Acts is wrong. No. The book of Acts is true just like any other part of God's Word. It's inspired. But it was given to us to remind us that the church was advancing. It was historical. It was narrative. I'm not going to build my one doctrine on that book of Acts. But the epistles, now those may be letters that were written, obviously for doctrine and instruction. Those may be places I key on my doctrine in particular. Psalm 119. It's what I call a wisdom psalm. It's wisdom literature, wisdom psalm, which means that it speaks about true wisdom in life. And that there's a right and that there's a wrong and that you want to walk in the way of wisdom. So, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about wisdom and how God speaks of wise living. And, of course, in Psalm 119, how it speaks to us living the Word with wisdom. The plain meaning of the text. When the natural meaning of the text fits the context, then that is the meaning that God intended. Look at the text, look at the context, look to others, look to others. Now, some of you look at me kind of funny and you say, but Dr. Reggie, it says, Psalm 119 says that he's wiser than the teachers. He didn't have really any other teachers. It says in verse 99, um, I have more understanding than all my teachers. See, some of you've taught psalmists, haven't you? You just didn't realize they were psalmists at the time. You thought they were arrogant people or students, huh? Some of you says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. He says, I understand more than the ancients. Well, that doesn't sound like humility. That doesn't sound like he wants to appeal to anybody else for understanding. He, that sounds like you, you ought not to have a teacher in the church. You ought to just do it yourself. See, that's what you do when you just pick a verse out without any type of understanding around it. Because when I look to the New Testament, teachers are encouraged. Teachers are honored. So why in Psalm 119 would God downplay teachers and in the New Testament say that teachers are needed within the church? Because in Psalm 119, don't forget that the psalmist is is wrestling with with people that are anti-God's Word. Read through Psalm 119 again. You'll see that even the leadership at that moment spoke against him. You'll see that the psalmist talks about how he feels like he's a stranger in this world. These teachers, these others that he, is, that he is hearing absolutely ignore God's Word. He's not downplaying teachers overall. He's just saying that it has been God's Word is where he has found the truth, even when teachers and others have gone away from it. So I say to you, look to others. Look to others, other believers. If we really believe that the Holy Spirit lives in each and every one of us, then we believe that God can speak through his Holy Spirit through other individuals to us. We ought to read. and We ought to listen to other individuals. We ought not to always just try to find something new in the Scripture. It's okay to experience Scripture in a fresh and new way. But don't go in just thinking, look, I'm going to find something new and I'm going to impress everybody around me. That's not God's, that's not God's work in your life. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to listen to others. One of the reasons we have such a privilege here at Temple, to be able to come on Sunday morning and study through his word, to go to something called Sunday school, where you can ask questions and you can talk about the scripture and you can hear God's Word reflected to come together and listen to others. But ultimately we're to listen to him. God wants us to listen to others, but notice he does say, verse 102, for you yourself have taught me. Who's the master teacher? God himself. John fourteen twenty-six says the Holy Spirit would teach us, would teach his disciples all things. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth and speaks to us. Don't leave him out. But I say this to you as you study it. Just as I cautioned you with reading it, I speak to you now of studying it and studying it with humility. Why are you studying it? Not to impress people with your knowledge. Every Sunday I have to come together and I have to say, now how much of this do I share and how much do I not share? And there's a temptation sometimes for even me as a preacher to come and say, I'm going to give you all this stuff so that you know that I really studied this week and that you know I know this stuff and all of that. But that is not what a preaching event is about. It's not what any of us should be about when we study it. It's not how much knowledge we have that we can impart, but it is how much God wants to work in our lives when we come with those attitudes that are appropriate. Philip Spainer actually wrote wonderful advice about how not to read and study the Bible. This is what he said. He said, How may readers do harm to themselves if they read the Scriptures without sincere prayer and the purpose to obey God, but only to get knowledge, to make a show and to exercise their curiosity upon them, if they do not observe what is useful for their edification, but only what they can use for their glory and against others? If they despise what the scripture simply stated and what is easy to comprehend. If on the contrary they take up only difficult passages about which there is much dispute. In order to discover in them something unusual and to make a show before others. If they use what they have learned with pride and for their own glory. If they think they alone are wise and they are obstinate in their, in their refusal for better instruction. They love to quarrel and receive nothing from others with modesty. He said we can actually do more damage if we study with that sense of pride. So we read it, we study it, and lastly, we internalize it. Notice he says that this is like tasting. This is internalizing it, putting it in. We read it with our eyes. We study it with our mind and then we internalize it into our hearts. The transformation of getting the truth into us. We might do it through memorization, through memorizing. Psalm 119.11, 119 the psalmist earlier had said, that I have hidden thy word in my heart, that I may not sin against thee, that I may not sin against you. Perhaps it is memorizing. And this Psalm 119 in itself is given to being something that we would look at and we would memorize. Now, Leslie looked at me this week and she said, are you going to challenge us all to memorize Psalm 119? I said, not yet. Give me a year so that I know it first, and then we might challenge people to memorize. But I want you to see that it was, that even the way the scripture is written here is an aid to memory. Uh, Look at verse 97 in your Bible. Right above verse 97, many of you will see this little squiggly kind of mark. Kind of weird looking thing, isn't it? In some of your translations, it may say M-E-M out to the side, main. I'm not spoken about this until this day because I think this is where it plays in. That this psalm is an acrostic. In other words, it is broken down by the Hebrew alphabet. Each of eight verses begins with a certain Hebrew alphabet. It begins with our A, if you will, olive, bait, gimel, and it moves all the way through. This section is the mame. It's kind of like the M. I don't know uh, if we had had a little bit of this. Now I know some of you have no clue what that is. But it's kind of the Hebrew. I just wanted you to see in verse 97. Now, Hebrew, they read from like right to left, right? You may not understand anything about that, but can you tell verses 97 through 104 is the same little squiggly mark? That's good enough for us, right? It's just the same little squiggly mark. See it? And then down? Because each of the eight verses would would start with the same letter, partly because of memory. Remember, this was an oral tradition, so they were trying to remember these things. It's kind of like we did in school. You remember in school, we made up little things? Like the distance of the planets from the sun, the order of those planets. Remember what we said? My very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. Y'all didn't have that in North Louisiana? No? That's a Mississippi thing. Now it's not even pizza, just served us, you know, nine. I don't nine something, because Pluto's not even a planet anymore, I don't think. But we would take those words and we would rem- that would help us remember. Same principle. It's an acrostic. It's kind of like an acronym, not the same, but kind of like an acronym. For us Ole Miss fans, we know what Omaha stands for, right? You know the place where the baseball championships, college baseball championships are held? Omaha, Ole Miss at home again. We know what it means. (laughs) You see, and that's exactly what they did. They used it so that people could remember. Even this psalm and meditation, meditation, it's not some far Eastern practice. It is something that was meant to help people understand the scripture. As you internalize it, you might memorize it or you might even just meditate upon it. The word meditate is found throughout this passage, throughout this passage Verses 15, 23, 27, 48, 78, 97, 99, 148. That wasn't a Far Eastern practice. That was, or this mystical New Age practice, maybe I should say. It was a godly biblical practice of meditating. What does it mean? It means basically that you would take a part of Scripture and you just turn it over in your lives. Just think upon it. Thinking can be spiritual. Spiritual. It should be spiritual. And you're thinking about that scripture. You're meditating upon it. Those of you from the country like some of us came from, we know what it was like when we saw a cow chew its cud. It was just like it would just keep chewing on it. And I say to you that when you think of a scripture, you just keep chewing on it. I encourage you to take a scripture and take a little bit of it and just chew on it all day long. I love to take what I'm going to preach. Because, you see, I don't think that my quiet time and sermon preparation, all of that has to be separate. I I was really challenged one time in an interview with Dr. Rogers, Adrian Rogers, when he told me that you can take your sermon preparation and it can be part of your devotion time. It doesn't have to be distinctly artificial. Um, Rather, you can preach what's on your heart and you can share what's in in your bones. It's fine to do that. So I just take that scripture sometimes and I'll turn it over. Maybe I'm in a hospital room. And I can meditate upon that scripture. Somehow God would use it. Or maybe in my own life with my family. Or maybe it's just I'm out. It's amazing how God all of a sudden can take that scripture that you were just meditating upon that morning. And how he can use it and speak to you. As you internalize. I've had those moments of of God challenging me. Don't have time to share all of them this morning. But I've just taken a scripture and meditating. Internalizing. The word. God challenged me some time ago. It was actually through one of our deacons at Pine Grove Baptist Church. Who said to me as I would preach and teach, he said, Why do you even have your notes up there? You don't use them very often. Why you even put them up there? I said, Well, they're they're a crutch there, and you know, and just in case, he said, He said, No, he said, if you're gonna preach something, it needs to be in your heart. And you need to internalize what, what you're saying to us. It was a challenge to me. And it's a challenge for all of us because I know some of you aren't preachers. Some of you may be, but some of you say, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher, but I'm saying this to you. It is not good enough for you just to read the word and study the word. God wants you to internalize his word. Make it a part of you. Taste it. See it. Live it. Put it within and let it burn within your spirit, in your heart, and in your bones. Meditate. Psalmist says all the day I meditate. I think about it. That scripture. It's a simple process, isn't it? I just so simple. But if we want to see transformation in our lives, we will follow the steps of the psalmist. We'll read, we'll study, we'll internalize it. And yes, we'll finally get to the truth as it affects our lives.